0: Welcome to Dan's Den podcast. Happy you're joining me today. I'm sitting down with my aunt Robin, and we have a cool discussion just about some of our backgrounds and growing up, and kind of how it led to where we are today. I was really close with my aunt Robin when I was younger. About she was about 10 years older than me, so that gap between your parents and then some of your peers, we kind of go in and out of a, a lot of topics. This one ends rather abruptly because I split our talk into two episodes, so. Um, Check out the next episode that we're going to post, and we talk a little bit more about some of our personal emotional and, and maybe even some traumatic events that we've been working on, and we can share some of our process of healing and therapy. Thanks again for checking us out. Here's my talk with my Aunt Robin. We talk about some books and reading. Is there anything cool you're reading nowadays? Because we spend a lot of time talking about some good Stephen King books. I know you're one of the biggest King fans I know.
1: He's coming out with another one in September. Have you read any of his um, Mr. Mercedes series books?
0: No, I've never seen one of them. Um, I didn't really even know it was a series, I guess. So yeah. th- that's like another section coming out for that one.
1: It's Well, it's a trilogy, and one of the characters in there is a female um, named Holly. And I. he doesn't say it specifically, but I think she's autistic. Um, And so... He's made a book now. That's, it's called Holly. So I'm interested to see what it is.
0: Every like six months, that's like on the streaming services. There's like another thing that's like based on a King book. What's what's the one that he did um, collaborating with his son? Like, cause his son's a writer.
1: Oh. Sleeping one? Beauties. That was one.
0: The t- in the Tall Grass or something. Isn't oh, that, yep. one? Yeah, Th- that one? Yeah. That's one with too. his son, right?
1: And and that's also a movie.
0: All right. I don't know. So many of those are even going back to like the stand or something like that like I know they try to make that a series at one point but look at how hard it has been for them to actually like capture these books in a good you know video format we have, everybody's familiar with like the it series and that
1: right and the second it movie the more recent one is more there's a lot more i would say that's goes more with the book than the original one but i'm a tim curry fan so I'm sticking yeah. with the old one. <laughs> yeah, and
0: plus, like, just the time in your life when it came out, dude, that probably, like, you know, stamped on your brain in a certain way.
1: He's uh, he's one of the things that made me so afraid of clowns. I mean, hmm. we were just talking about this the other day. Um, he looks like a regular circus clown. So you look at him, and he's that clown that you see at the circus, but then he's crazy and he's evil and that's what's so creepy about it you yeah
0: know? rather than one that's painted like you know this guy's evil yes this looks like somebody that's gonna show up in a kid's birthday party exactly and, and murder and, everyone yeah
1: and then all of a sudden his fate yeah and he's just such a good actor such a good actor but yeah that book's coming out um you said you haven't read um the dark tower series no i did yeah oh, you did read it.
0: i actually mentioned that to brandy as like that's it's such a good series that we were talking about even kind of reading it together or getting my buddy Matt in and like a mini book club type thing. But like think about like the commitment that is for, you know, just seven books that oh, no. the last one itself is a thousand pages. Oh, no. It's amazing. But I think it took me years to get through the whole thing.
1: It does, but that's what Audible's for. That's yeah. how I'm getting Rob into it.
0: One point okay. five speed. Yeah. He <laughs> <laughs> loves that. Well I'll take a step back and I'm gonna introduce you. So I'm sitting with my Aunt Robin today. Um, we I've been excited to do this one for a while just because before we started recording we were talking about like, we'll spend three hours on the phone, just bullshit. And um, when I lived in San Diego, you know. Um, Sundays. Yeah, dude. Some of those mm-hmm. phone calls like, you know, helped me get through a lot of shit out yeah, there just cool. because like I was talking about obviously like being out there by myself. But I remember like starting this athletic training program at San Diego State. And specifically that first semester, I remember talking to you about like our my like essentially supervisor they call them a preceptor but it was like the athletic trainer that certified that's supposed to kind of like be my mentor and all that yeah she was just ridiculous and was like, giving me all this hard time for god knows what like she has her own things going on but i remember just like unloading some of the stuff to you but trying to just bounce it off of you like does, am i doing something wrong here or kind of just getting a sense for that but it doesn't feel like that long ago but then now like you know it's been five years since I graduated yeah. and been like certified as an athletic trainer so I'm in the spot that like they were at back then when I was trying to do this and I was yeah. like oh how cool would it be to you know be able to just be super comfortable with this job
1: yeah yeah
0: it's amazing I was really worried about making mistakes back then and apprehensive to get my hands on people and yeah. especially working with like division one athletes I'm like am I gonna break these guys like you're mm-hmm. here for like scholarships and that type of stuff
1: that's the that underlying anxiety that runs in this family, I'm telling you. Yeah. And I, I do have to say one thing, being in the field that I'm in now, women in pretty much any field have to be assholes. It just is what it is. So as much as we talked about it now, being in the IT field now and just realizing how much more you have to really advocate for yourself and you need to, you have to be a bitch, but then you're a bitch yeah
0: that's definitely a field too that's been predominantly male or men or whatever so i don't know the the last few decades i'm sure that's been changing a little bit but now where like remote work is almost more standard for a lot of this stuff i'd imagine that opens the doors for a lot of different things
1: it does it's still very male dominated though but i will say i mean my company at least there my direct supervisor is a female and she's the reason that i got the job because i had no No experience whatsoever in IT. And I went to go get a bachelor's in cybersecurity. And the school said, well, you already have a bachelor's. Just get a master's. So I don't know why I thought I would do that. And that's what I did. (laughs) And um, she saw that. And she said, wow, you put yourself through a master's program in 18 months, working a full-time job, and got a 3.98 GPA. She's like, clearly you can learn. Sure. She's like, I can teach you anything. It's the the will to learn and the ability to learn and I can see that you know what I mean and she gave me a chance and
0: Oh yeah because yeah, yeah it was the, what like two or three years ago I think you were kind of just starting that that part because I, I remember you talking about getting certain certifications and stuff but then those kind of condensed master programs like that's shit's no joke so much reading obviously
1: yes, yes. and you don't think of, I didn't think about this, but it's like they give you an assignment and they're like, oh, d- you know, do X, Y, Z or whatever. And I was like, well, well, what's X, Y, Z? So I would have to study X, Y, Z to then be able to do this because I had no background in IT. So it was intense, but it paid off because somebody looked at that and said, wow, you have no you know what I mean? And you really worked hard. So um, thankfully, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough to be a, a female I think in general so my thought is I wonder if she just got shit a lot and turned into an asshole because
0: yeah it kind of just grinds you down into that exactly is um how would you say like actually working in IT compared to when you were like kind of transitioning like is it what you hoped it would be or but is it actually like what you wanted to do
1: So I'm the not normal female. I always say I'm like a 12 year old boy because I can sit and be at a computer all day and not speak to another human being for the rest of my life and be fine. So that's the (laughs) IT field. Um, So that part of it's good. Like it was calling me. (laughs) But I mean, we have a small team and my teammates are really like, you know, open to helping me out if I need to understand things or giving me, you know, supporting me so I'm lucky. But I have seen other teams when I come, you know, if I send an email about something, I get that instant response back like you're beneath me kind of thing. So I do see it in the field, thankfully not in my team, but I do see there are certain people who. You know, you definitely feel that vibe. And so it's like, OK, so I see the problem with that is I'm not afraid of anybody. I'm not intimidated by anybody. I'm not going to back down. The only thing that intimidates me is I don't know things as much as other people do. But once I get up to that speed, like I, I don't care. Yeah, so
0: that's I have something similar too. like it was the same thing I was alluding to about, like not wanting to put my hands on right. an athlete or something. But that's just because like that, um, I guess. You could call it perfectionism, but I don't want to be, like, in the group and messing up. Yes. Part of that, like, I kind of sharpened in the Air Force. Like, we did a lot of... uh, It was generally, like, aircraft maintenance, but, like, electronics work and troubleshooting stuff. So, you know, low stakes when we're at home station in Arizona, but then we get deployed, and it's kind of like you have to know your shit. So, you know, by the time you get deployed, like, they wouldn't send you over there if you didn't know. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's a lot of just competition in the sense of like, not only like supporting your peers and coworkers, but like we're working on like a billion dollar aircraft too. So like one little thing is, it's not gonna wreck the whole plane, but there's definitely aspects where this could cost them so much money. So it's almost like- High stakes. Yeah, do you turn into the person that like, doesn't have a good work ethic to be proactive? Because you're fearful of making a mistake or you're just gonna go for it and trust your training and and that's the best way you learn
1: And that's a dance. I'll tell you I'll tell Mm -hmm. you because even to this day like I Whenever I have to do anything in a production system. So my company is um, a a food supplier to a lot of um, food companies like Whole Foods um, Walmart different places around the country so they have a lot of you know cash registers and they have pharmacies and liquor stores and everything these are all production environments that are going 24 7 a lot of times and if we do something on the security side and it breaks something trucks are not getting getting out you know people are not it's it can be big so i live in a state of panic anytime i have to Mm -hmm. do anything but you have to kind of if and they say if you don't break it you're never going to learn that's the only way you learn is by breaking things so it's that balance it's that dance of I'm not just gonna go in there and be like yeah I'll just do this but at the same time you know you can't never do anything because if nothing ventured nothing gained as they say
0: um, or so the, so the training and, and stuff leading up to that did they, they put you in kind of live scenarios where you could make those mistakes or is it just kind of you get all these basic skills and then it's kind of showtime
1: so I got pulled in at a very very busy time, so I didn't actually get any formal training, which is funny. <laughs> they were like, "You, you're um, you're gonna be attached to the hip to this kid," and the kid was like, so busy that he poor thing didn't have time half yeah. the time. So you know, I anytime I asked him, he would help me out, but he couldn't, he couldn't, we couldn't be attached at the hip. So it was kind of like oh, I got to figure it out, and um, it was scary, but I think that's that's how you learn like you don't you sink or you swim
0: yeah Yeah. that same thing in the Air Force but then I I've made this kind of connection over the years I might have mentioned this to you but like there's a lot of similarities and troubleshooting the systems I used to work on in these aircraft and figuring out the human body except that I don't want to break anything with the bodies to to, you know get better type of thing so that was like some of that initial um, you know just kind of just a slow approach but traditionally like a sports medicine setting, it's, it's not an emergency setting. So it's not like, you know, orthopedic surgery or emergency room where people could actually die if you take the wrong step right, right. here. But um it's still a lot of like, am I going to make things worse? But then the other times it's just kind of, I've i have switched more towards it's so much about just uh trying to connect with the patient and education along the way. Because the setting I'm in now, it's really acute injuries and it's just like we have to try to get them back to training tomorrow so it's not like um you know maybe a civilian setting where oh we can just kind of give you like maybe three weeks off or uh you know kind of accommodations like that there's definitely times where we'll put people on like light duty is what they call it so you know two days of like you know kind of just pt at your own pace rather than trying to do what all the drill instructors are screaming at you about but then it's like you know i have to try to connect with them not only so they trust me but to try to get them to understand like you you can move through some of this stuff and and your normal civilian life there would be no reason to but here you're in training to be essentially a warfighter you know like they they use this term warfighter optimization to make it remind them that you guys signed up for the military this isn't just like going to be a cush job and As officers, they're gonna get kind of dispersed in so many different settings, but it's generally a leadership role. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you guys can't deal with your individual discomforts now, like what happens when the stress of managing small groups or essentially like entire like squadrons or commands, like you need to be able to deal with this pressure now. So trying to get them to understand that, but then the first few weeks, like they get so much stuff thrown at them. It's very difficult to kind of Coach them along with that because, like, you know, they're they're still adjusting and being away from home, and many of them have never had several days of exercising or doing all this stuff plus classroom stuff. And they do these weird like marching and like drill type stuff that's more like ceremonial and kind of like almost like just military history. It's not like they still use these formations and march in the battlefield type thing, but it's still just part of the discipline and all of that. So it's just trying to remind them like. You know what, you guys are never going to have to do this again, but that piece, but you still have to take it seriously, and it has a point. I remember being in basic training, folding socks and t-shirts a certain way, and I'm just like, what are we doing here? And then they, you get it absolutely perfect, They come, the drill instructors come in and wreck all your shit, flip the beds, do it again, yeah. and you don't get it at the time, but then you know, later on it's like, if you can't fold your socks, how we instruct you to, how are you going to fix an aircraft, which is... You know, reliant the the air crew is reliant on that. So like not only for the expensive equipment, but we have people going up and flying. Yeah. Yeah. Is it a lot of it like cleaning up the mess if something happens?
1: It it's it it ebbs and flows. Like there's some days when I just don't even breathe. Like lunch I don't even know what lunch is, you know. Um, and that'll and that'll be like a ten hour day, no no breaks. But then there's other days when it's like you have to wait The way everything's set up is there's a team for this and a team for that and a team for this so you can do this and then you need this team to do this so you have to wait and so there's a lot of that going on where it's which I try to like sneak in a little bit of like LinkedIn learning or something if I have time just to get myself better at you know cuz I'm not good at troubleshooting I never had that background
0: yeah so so trying to fill the time like Mm -hmm. constructively exactly Um, I'm kind of in a similar boat too like you know we we get kind of jammed in the morning rushed because like they do their PT their physical training super early and typically they come in right after that so from like I don't know, say seven in the morning to like nine or ten like we kind of get a relatively steady flow then a couple hours of like documentation and notes and then it's a walk-in clinic so you know after lunch it's pretty much like some days people won't come back in and we get to kind of do that like I'm you know studying up on anatomy or Mm -hmm. whatever kind of psychology i'm reading that that week but then other times it's like the people are coming in where you know same thing we even have to cut lunch short or something like that it's not too bad for me as a contractor because there's specific things that like i'm not allowed to do so i can't work more than eight hour day Um, so you know somebody comes up 15 minutes before we're getting ready to get out of there it's like this is an emergency it's not if you've waited all day to come here so come back tomorrow or here's this like uh handout with some good like stretches or different like mobility work that you can try overnight and if this doesn't help come back in the morning so that's a lot easier in that sense but then trying to stay more consistent with how do you feel that that dead time type thing getting some good reading in about i don't know like a lot of behavioral stuff because like that's to me like the most complex stuff is like it's never like this clear-cut answer of like oh this is going to work on this individual but it's just trying to expand the toolbox and you know i'm trying to get better at trying to identify quickly like what kind of learner is this person some people specifically for exercises or coaching them through like their rehabilitation program it's like some people can see me do a movement and and be no no problem be able Mm -hmm. to do that other times I, i need to kind of physically guide them into certain positions like this is how it should feel or that hey like when you feel pain in this position that's okay you know like it's not um, something to run away from but Mm -hmm. it's really fun because it's you know it never you never really like master it it's always like something new working with people right
1: and like you said you have to especially with non-children I don't want to say adults because I'm sure some of these guys are right out of high school or whatever but non-children there's baggage oh yeah you know what i mean so not it doesn't matter what you say or how you do it if you say it in a way that's a trigger for whatever Mm -hmm. then you have all that to deal with right so that's
0: and and it's that's interesting too because i can like recognize that almost pretty quick sometimes if somebody has like you know this crazy apprehension and movement and kind of just very fearful Mm -hmm. but it's like it's super difficult in in this military setting it's because it's like you really don't have an option as the patient or, you know, the, the, the trainee you're here now, like you signed up for this, you have a strict timeline. So we do have like behavioral health that we can refer out to, but sometimes that could take a little bit of time and it's not even imagine them having to go through like some kind of therapy or counseling while they're doing a basic training and they got all this other stuff going on. So it's almost sometimes that stuff's almost supposed to get kind of vetted out a little Mm, bit, but mm -hmm. um, the last few years, it seems like there's, such a problem with like the attrition rate of like too many people either not graduating or just not even signing up that they have to figure out ways to keep as many people as they can. So you're almost kind of taking in people that maybe 10 years ago wouldn't have been qualified. But at the same time, there's not crazy amount of screening for behavioral mental health stuff. So it's like a lot of this doesn't come out until you're in this stressful situation. Yeah.
1: Well, I was thinking too, like in my father's day or like your grandparents' time, if you had flat feet, you couldn't be in the military. All right. If your hearing he talks about that all the time. yeah, if your hearing was a little bit off, you couldn't be like, it was strict. It is yeah. not like that anymore.
0: You know, initially it might sound like, oh, what's the big deal? Like flat feet. It's more about like the potential for injury. Like we know that this causes certain like just changes in the forces on your body. So it's like, okay, this is not a problem today. But five years, 10 years down the road, the military is going to wind up paying a s- stupid amount of money for all of these medical costs that... You know, it took them however long to figure all this stuff out. But it's just like, we're stopping you right here. You yeah. don't get to go any further. <laughs> um, that was still kind of a thing when I was going through that entrance program for the Air Force. Yeah. But I think maybe with like officers, which is what I'm working with primarily in the Navy, I think that it's maybe a little bit more lenient in that sense because, you know, they're really trying to fill like certain skills and jobs that, yeah. you know, they're they're kind of like, well, we're not bringing this person in for their physical you know kind of performance but at the same time we know like your job skills are going to decline if we're not in a relative able-bodied kind of moving around type thing so it kind of goes back and forth with that yeah do you find that like this the position you're in now kind of like fits with like your personality and kind of like
1: Yeah. yeah I it's I've said it before because before this I was working for the Rhode Island Department of Health COVID unit yeah and um I was doing like supervising for a team of um, case investigators, people that would call you when you get COVID to get your symptoms, get your medical history, give you quarantine advice, things like that. And I used to say all the time, I was like, cause they made us be on camera every time there was a meeting. And I used to say all the time, like I just wish I could go in a corner and just <laughs> do my job and don't bother me. Don't talk to me and let me do my job, you know? So yes for that and this is also a field that you can never stop learning and that's why i picked it because threats are changing uh, technology's changing um you know it, it's just it just it doesn't ever stop so i've always liked to learn and i feel like every time i've gotten a position you get to a point where you get like stale with it and it's just kind of like mind mindlessly doing things and this is not a field where you're ever going to be able to, you know, I've had guys, I work with guys that have worked for 23 years and we're trying to figure out why this thing won't connect here. And they have no idea. Yeah.
0: Mm. And it's like something new for them. Yeah. And that's what we love. That's kind of the same thing in, in my setting too. Yeah. It's just like, you know, we know there's a lot of generalities in anatomy, but this, this person particularly like, you know, given their background in history, it's like a new case every time. And exactly. again, it's just connecting with them and, you know, it's the best when you get to, when you get to see them leave the clinic, like at least like just more reassured that like, Mm. this isn't super severe, I'm gonna be fine. And you know, they feel empowered after that. And that's kind of what we're doing out here, rather than there's a a stigma sometimes from the students that they think if they come up to our clinic that we're gonna like put them on light duty and like disqualify them. And I'm like, first, like not only do we not wanna do that, I want you to be able to to train, but like I don't have the authority or power to like separate you you know what i mean like that's not what's going to happen so a lot of them are kind of relief that oh we're cool to talk to because everybody else is either screaming at them or super rigid and super like so you know we try to make that welcoming environment because it essentially it's a place of healing but you know it's hard to mix that in in a military Mm -hmm. setting where things are super rigid and even some of the the physical training that they do like they, they line up in certain ways where it almost looks like a military ceremony. And I get the discipline aspect of it, but sometimes like, you know, with some of my experience working with athletes, it's like, you know, you, you should be more fluid and comfortable in this. So it's hard to combine those two where, you know, super rigid and a lot of history of, of military and just, you know, discipline, all of that stuff where this is a lot of similarities in athletics. It's a lot of discipline, but most of them are, you know, Aiming their whole lives to do this physical part, where people want to be in the military, but they kind of look at like the physical training as just like a speed bump. like this is it. in the way. Yeah. And I'm like, well, this doesn't get any easier later in life. Yeah. so for some people, it's like, oh, this puts me into a good routine. Now I can take pieces of this training and then do my own thing that I'm actually comfortable with. But um similarly, I think like I found a good spot that works for for me and like my my strengths because, you know i've i have some military experience but it's almost i won't say the same stuff like every day my co-workers must be like going nuts just from hearing the same shit. like oh i was in the air force too but every like especially now when i say it I'm like i'm this is coming up on 10 years since i separated so yeah. sometimes i talk about it like it's still a few years ago yeah but i'm like oh it's almost like a whole nother lifetime ago
1: but I, those connections are important i think in especially in any situation where there's because I mean i've never been in the military but i see what comes out of the military and there's trauma in there you know what i mean and so there needs to be those connections like people need to know if you can say look i i've been where you've been Mm -hmm. look where i am now do you know what i mean like that Sometimes that's really important no, too. That's huge.
0: I can like see that in their face sometimes too like yeah. oh oh you were in the the air force and it's like yeah I was a, a lowly enlisted but at the mm-hmm. same time like we still everybody's basic training sucks you know yeah. like there's this thing that like every branch thinks that their basic training is the worst. Hard to say obviously I've only done one. Right. But you know Marines have a longer training like and their shit like they come out like the most disciplined that I've seen like we, we have some younger Marines that are on station. There's a little Marine detachment. It's primarily a Naval station, but they come there for certain schoolings and just the way they march, the way they're like, yes, sir, to everything. And I'm just, I have to get them to like loosen up a little bit like, mm-hmm. because they're almost too um, fearful to just speak freely in a certain yeah. way. I'm like, I, I need you to just be able to tell me like, what hurts and all of this stuff rather than like, everything's not a yes and no question. Yeah. So it's like trying to almost, them out of that a little bit it's really um interesting and you know i'm i'm proud of the, the discipline that they're coming out in because like that's what you expect the military to be right. but then like if it comes to the point where you're not going to be able to communicate for your health care like that that's an issue that we need to work out a little bit
1: Well, just in general don't you feel like i mean uh, again i'm not from military but my dad was my sister was my nephew was i've had family and friends do you feel like you come out different
0: yeah but not like not in a not in a negative way like I think it's not the same as like coming back from like Vietnam that type of stuff just because like the v a and healthcare system since then has gotten a lot better mm-hmm. um and you know sure I got deployed, but I didn't necessarily see hand to hand combat yeah. so um i I come out different in the sense of I have a much better idea of like my ability for, like work ethic and just yeah. My self-discipline, I think, got sharpened a little bit, but I was also able to figure out how to, like, which areas to put that in. Yeah, it's something I'm still working on, but it's like, I know that I have the capacity to have like a, a a super disciplined regimented day if I wanted to. Yeah. So like that part was cool because, you know, maybe I, I've had a I think a good work ethic from my parents and stuff like that growing up, but being able to know that, you know, not only is this just something you do because you work hard but you're you're doing this for your coworkers and stuff too like it goes back to the thing of like not wanting to make a mistake but it's because I don't want to let these guys down and you know part of that is the maybe selfish part of I, I want to be the best at my job but it's almost like I I'm doing this because this guy's here next to me it's that simple and that's what we really learned while we were deployed too is that we're relying on each other out there everybody's away from home you know, a eight hour time shift from even getting phone calls. And, right. and that's like, even if we could get to the phone that day, shitty internet connection. So that whole part really kind of helped me be more grateful for the things I do have. Yeah. Like there, there's talk about cold showers too. Like there was times where there, there wasn't heated water for like a month and we went like September through late January. So, Um, where we were in Afghanistan is a lot of elevation, so it was so, super cold. Like, I thought that it would be, like, desert and hot, but, like, no, we're, like, kind of in the mountains a little bit, so it was, uh, you know, something else, like, showering at 5 a.m. when it's still dark, and you have to kind of run back to your little plywood hut, and it's, you know, five degrees out, something like that. Um, you know, we complain about the New England winters, but after coming back from there, I'm like, okay, like, at least I have, like, a warm place to go, and... You know, what definitely wasn't as bad as some other deployments could have been, it wasn't as long, but I'm definitely grateful for the, uh, the experience. And again, it just helped me um, be able to understand that like, there's a lot more to managing like, day-to-day stuff than just doing what feels good. You know, being able to kind of prioritize things a little bit better, I think they helped with that.
1: I think you were always like that, though
0: yeah so maybe that's kind of how maybe i how i found myself going towards the military because there was definitely a time my late teens and shit even through probably 21 22 years where like i would never see myself in the military there was a few of my buddies going to the navy a couple for the army and i was just like not for me
1: yeah
0: and i didn't maybe i I didn't have like this anti-military mind state but it was like you know nobody really agrees with going to war that type of stuff so like I just super weird that I wound up doing that. And then mm-hmm. now I'm deployed two years after I right. you know was just like, no fucking way. That's yeah. never going to happen. <laughs> um, that stuff was cool. But being able to take advantage of the, the education benefits afterwards and actually get the degree that I wanted. And yep. I don't know, I, I've had some friends that maybe didn't utilize the GI bill in the same way and, and had to use a lot of the benefits for their um, like kind of prereqs and like yeah. undergrad stuff. So, I I got to take advantage of a lot of um, you you might have heard of the the CLEP programs it's a college level examination program so it's an acronym CLEP you can pretty much like test out of like these 100 level classes that's cool psych sociology um, history you can get your college math out of the way so I probably got like I don't know like 30 or credits that's cool you know like just three at a time at least like a solid 36 because I had you know a handful from Roger Williams when I failed out as a teenager, but um, you know that's another learning experience. Is
1: same. I mean, I didn't fail out, but I when I first was out of high school and went to go to college, I didn't. And <laughs> I worked. For, I worked for five years at Dunkin' Donuts, and I was like, I can't live like this.
0: Yeah, and th- that's what it was like. Just jumping back, like so after high school, like it was just kind of part of the thing. Like you go to college; that's mm-hmm. just what everybody do- does, and. I didn't necessarily have like a plan for it. So mm-hmm. you just kind of roll in with the same poor study habits that I had in high school yeah. because we talk about it. Like I never, they, they, the public schools and at least East Providence, like it's not super challenging you just show up and most of the time if you show up most of the time you're gonna pass
1: and if you're fairly intelligent you don't really have to study so then that doesn't prepare you for college yeah and
0: it's great at the time like oh i don't even have to do homework but then you're like oh now i don't know how to do homework so like that was a drawback then going to roger williams down in bristol i don't know yeah not having like study skills was like you know took a little bit to work to work on but then same thing. I'm working like 60 hours a week, yeah. part-time at Dunkin' Donuts. I got a job at Citizens Bank and then working in, in the, the operations center. So it was like this mail room, mm-hmm. essentially just mailing out statements. But like our job was like a material handler. So we got these like forklifts and we're putting all the mail on these things. And, you know, just super low level. I got to listen to music and uh, I even had a couple of the Dark Tower books back then. And I remember like, oh, this is super cool. But it gets to a certain point where, oh, this isn't going anywhere. Nope and i I really couldn't see a way out. I was still in debt from Roger Williams, so mm-hmm. I was just like I, I gotta make i gotta make the call and looked at the Air Force. I actually called the Navy first just because I had known more buddies that went into the Navy. Mm-hmm. um I said something about like having asthma as a kid and like oh disqualified and then you know it it hadn't it wasn't like bothering me- um right. asthma wasn't something I was actively dealing with it was it's more of an allergic reaction, but yeah. so you know, wind up just calling the Air Force and and things went on from there but it was just like hey i didn't you know i didn't necessarily plan on making that call but it wound up being the best thing that's happened to me i think with uh especially just that time away from home too it got me a new a new appreciation for just even rhode island itself and like southern new england and the the landscape and the geography out here like we're used to it growing up it's okay. like no big deal but then you go away and come back and like you know this time of year and even like
1: the trees. S- yeah That's September October dude. yeah mm-hmm. yeah
0: going to live in Arizona down in Tucson it's a desert obviously so it's like totally opposite climate of, of up mm-hmm. here and then going to San Diego after that is a little bit of similar kind of like desert style plants but next to the ocean mm-hmm. so you got that kind of good combination a lot more hills and some good like small mountains and stuff too so we got some of that here in, in New Hampshire Vermont but it's kind of just a combination of like the desert with that part and then, yeah. you know, getting to experience something new and then coming back here like, oh, this is super nice. A decent amount of time of the year, but it really is. I could do without Me January, too. February. Me too. <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of Dan's Den. Don't forget to follow and turn on notifications so you don't miss our latest releases. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it so we can reach more people. Also, check out our other episodes. And thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.